Welcome back to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. On this week's episode, we have a guest host. So please be the same respectful audience you are for me and enjoy. Pearson Ravitt's story begins with Dr. Stephanie Pearson, a passionate OBGYN at the height of her career. But when a shoulder injury struck during a precipitous delivery, her dreams were shattered, leaving her unable to practice medicine. Determined to make a difference, Dr. Pearson became an advocate for her peers, guiding them through the complex disability process. Alongside insurance expert Scott Ravitz, Dr. Pearson founded Pearson Ravitz, a company determined to approach insurance differently. Together, they set their mission to educate and empower physicians to protect their most valuable asset, their income, and the most important people in their life, their family. Today, Pearson Ravitz serves the medical community in all 50 states. At Pearson Ravitz, they understand the unique concerns of physicians. Physician-founded and physician-focused, Pearson Ravitz builds human connections before they create quotes. Life can change in an instant. It's hard to imagine that a sudden illness or injury could leave you and your family in a devastating financial situation. But with little planning and guidance, you can prepare for every possibility. Visit PearsonRavitz.com to schedule your consultation with a Pearson Ravitz advisor. Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring podcast. Joining as part of the podcast contributor series, I'm your host, Dr. Christine Goins. Today, we have an incredible guest, Dr. Willie Gray, who is here to share her experiences and wisdom on the joys and challenges of traveling with children. Dr. Gray, a sleep medicine expert, reveals her insights into managing layovers, optimizing family wellness, and making the most of your family adventures. Join us as we explore the world of parenting, travel, and finding balance in your journey as a physician. Enjoy. Hey, this is Brad Block, host of the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. This is a personal and professional development podcast for physicians where we have experts on the show that try to teach us everything we should have been learning while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. Hello, welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. I'm your guest host, Dr. Christine Goins, and today we have a remarkable guest with us, Second time on the podcast, Dr. Willie Gray, a dreamer, physician, and sleep medicine expert who has embarked on a journey of traveling with her children while maintaining a thriving medical career. Dr. Gray, thank you for gracing us with your presence today. Thank you so much for inviting me, Dr. Christine. It's such an honor. I I was um, really flattered to be uh, um, invited the first time and chat with Dr. Brad. And it's such a treat to be um, invited again and talk about a slightly different topic. Awesome. Yes. And so before we explore, you know, the fascinating journey that you've had and dive into our discussion on the motivations, the challenges, the joys of traveling with children while working in the medical field, let me just introduce again our esteemed guest. So meet Dr. Willie Gray, dreamer and physician who experienced burnout and now happily practices sleep medicine in Vermont's tranquil countryside with her husband and three cherished kiddos. She crafts a dream life brimming with family adventures and extraordinary experiences sprinkling a touch of magic to every moment. Beyond practicing medicine at a rural critical access hospital, Dr. Gray founded Dare to Dream Physician, a mission-driven endeavor empowering fellow doctors to dream big and embrace life through travel. She's all about boosting physician wellness and shares her wisdom on stages in her inspirational weekly podcast called Dare to Dream Physician Travel. So join Dr. Gray's mission to reclaim life for physicians, urging them to dream boldly, explore the world, and live life to the fullest. Hop aboard on this adventure of imagination and exploration. So today we're privileged to have Dr. Gray as our guest to share her expertise on traveling mostly solo with her three children while remaining an employee physician and a leader in medicine. So welcome again, Dr. Gray. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be invited on the podcast again. So, so Dr. Gray, of course, I've been following you for some time. And so your breadth of international travel, I would say in this year alone, has been truly inspiring to many. So we're really excited to learn from your experiences. Can you tell us about what you do for work? Yeah, I, um, I practice sleep medicine. And I practice the full spectrum of sleep medicine in a rural critical care hospital. And I see patients in this really wonderful community, a lot of farmers and, you know, just kind of old time Vermonters. And it's, I love what I do as a doctor, but I also, it was actually about a year ago that I started traveling again, but really for the first time internationally with my kids. And part of that was I really wanted my kids to see the world and to have those experiences because, you know, they are growing up in rural Vermont, which is very different than how where I grew up. And, you know, I realized that there's this very short period of time where you get to influence your kids, you know, before they get old and have them. Be, start being influencing by their peers. So yeah, I, this is this has been a, a wonderful adventure in the last year. Wonderful, wonderful. And so where did your journeys begin when you thought that maybe it was time to start on this, you know, adventure with your children? Yeah, I think for me, it was sort of the end of one chapter. And then I felt like I needed to start another chapter. My, of course, we all went through COVID. So we're, you know, you couldn't travel. And then, you know, at the time when COVID started, I, my, my youngest child was maybe like three years old. So, you know, it was also a little bit more challenging um, to travel with the yeah, three. We have, I have three kids, but the youngest at the time would have been three. But also my dad had, would, had was diagnosed with stage four metastatic cancer about four and a half. Well, now it's five and a half years ago. And so I really, you know, I wanted to be there for him. And so between not being able to travel during COVID and then when his cancer journey got a little bit more intense, I just really, I felt like I just needed to be around for my family instead of, you know, doing other things I want to do. So I think it's, you know, this concept of doing what you want when you can is so important because I, you know, after my dad passed away and even in the midst of the grieving period, I was like, wow, you know, I'm so glad I was there for my dad at the end of his life. And I'm so glad that I could do those things. And I grew a lot from that experience. But I also now, you know, feel this, like the almost like the seed, you know, to start a new journey. And so, and I could, you know, my mom was still healthy. And, you know, we're healthy. And we had saved the money from all the years of not traveling. So we had some funds for that. And so it was just, you know, doing it when you can. I think that I, I learned that watching my dad, you know, go through the cancer journey. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I feel that so many of us can find ourselves in that situation. And I hear a lot of physicians talk about times when, you know, maybe they had a family member who was ill or even they themselves were ill. But instead of choosing to take that time, they were still kind of off working. And so being able to make that decision in the moment to actually honor, you know, where your dad was, where your family was, where you were, and spend that that cherished time that you'll never get back, that's a beautiful experience that you'll always have. And so I think that's wonderful. I'm wondering, as you were kind of moving in that new direction, like the the next leg of your journey, were there certain concerns, specific fears that you had about starting on this voyage of, of traveling with your children? Yeah. And I would say it's that, you know, when you look at a year retrospectively, you can start creating a narrative And but when you're living in the middle of it, like, you know, a year ago, I had no idea that this was going to be the story of my last year. And, and that's it. It's usually when you live a desire based life, you know, meaning living in a way that, you know, is based is you're not acting on, you know, some urgency and response to some crisis. And you're just living based on what do I really want? Like, what are my dreams? 
And when you live like that, it's kind of nebulous when you first start. Like you have this idea, like you have this inkling, like, wow, wouldn't that be really amazing? And then you just go with that. So that's what I did, you know, after my dad passed away, you know, maybe a few weeks within a few weeks, I started thinking, wow, I feel then I feel like we're ready, you know, so I to do something to try something new. And so I didn't have a passport, my passport expired at that time. And my kids never had passports. And so the first thing I did, when I sort of had that inkling was let me apply for a passport, because I heard it takes a long time. And you know, let me just get that checked off. And then I started looking for a destination that was a little bit out of our comfort zone. We had, you know, traveled domestically within the continental US, the farthest we had gone I never actually went that well. The farthest we had gone as a family of five, you know, with three kids was New Mexico from Vermont. So, you know, it's like the other side of the country. Yeah. And that was amazing. That was amazing. But I, so, so anyway, we picked the U.S. Virgin Islands because you didn't need a passport. And I found this really amazing vacation rental and it just looked perfect for, you know, what we needed to recover from a long, you know, long experience with the cancer. And And so that's how I started. I mean, I had no idea that was going to then lead to a year of traveling, you know, six trips outside of the continental US with my kids. But that's sort of like when I took that step and I literally arrived in the US Virgin Islands and, you know, stood in front of the sign that says US Virgin Islands National Park. There was a time in my life not that long ago when I thought that I was never going to see that part because it's so far away. Just I don't know why it just felt really far away and out of reach. You know, I started getting energized by the things that I was doing. And even that, you know, traveling with three kids, there was a point not long ago before that I felt was really unimaginable. I was like, I do. I mean, they're not always easiest to travel with. So I just remember having some experiences, then I felt was like I got scarred by the experience. And then it sort of made me not want to travel with them. And the interesting thing was when my dad, you know, was like the last couple of months of his life, he, my parents live in Maryland. So it's like a 11 hour car ride from where we live. And there was, I got this phone call and my mom's like, oh, you know, dad looks like he's bleeding out of somewhere. We're going to take him to the emergency room. And I'm an only child. So I'm like, all right, well, I got to get there as soon as possible. And, and my, I told my husband and, you know, the kids and my husband had some things around the house that he had to wrap up because he knew that when we went, it was, maybe it was going to take a long time. And, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take off with the kids. I'm going to drive. And so out of that crisis, and I drove the kids by myself 11 hours. And then after I did that, I was like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> and so that gave me confidence to, you know, travel in like non-urgent and fun situations with them. So yeah, just learning from every step along the way. Wow. So it's kind of like having a situation kind of the way that you moved into it, you kind of learned your own <laughs> bravery of kind of moving through it. And that was able to inspire you to do it again in non-critical situations, but to do it again for the things that you were actually wanting to explore in terms of traveling and moving through the world. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that observation because that that is sort of how I operate and how I try to live a dream life is I sort of, you know, reflect on, okay, you know, life is limited. And, you know, you meet people who are in crisis, you know, who may not live, you know, for the next month and who are maybe the same age as me. And so I'm learning from these people who are, you know, living in crisis or, you know, moments in my own life when I'm living in crisis. and but yet apply that to like my long-term life. <laughs> Even when I'm not in crisis, I sort of just have that energy. And then it, that helps me sort of pursue the non-urgent things that are really important. And then, you know, use that energy to keep living the dreams that I really want to live. That's really beautiful because it means you learn from every experience. And so that's really wonderful. So, so I know one of the issues that, that often comes up with, particularly with employed physicians, is that they have a lack of flexibility often in their schedules. 
when it comes to traveling. And so some physicians may have maybe only four to six weeks or so of vacation a year. So I'm wondering, six continents, how were you able to secure extended periods of time off from work as an employee physician? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good question. And, you know, that I, I'm very careful when I use my own example, because I don't want people to hear my example and be like, oh, but I don't have that. You know, I have less and therefore I can't do it because that's not true. And I'll share, I'll start with the context that, you know, I am an employee physician and, you know, I think all the physicians, all the employee physicians at my hospital do get fairly generous vacation benefits. That being said, the most, most, almost all, I mean, I don't have the statistics, but I'm sure if I asked HR, like almost all of us don't use all the vacations that we have. And so that, you know, that's number one. I think it's actually our own mindset. Like we don't, you know, we, we either don't block the time off or we just don't think that we can go away for that long. In fact, I've heard other physicians say that because, you know, we all have similar amount of vacation time. And I've heard them say, other physicians tell me, oh, it's just not possible to take that much time off. Like it just wouldn't work with the clinical schedule. And then, so, so that's one point. And the other point was, is I just try to be really creative. So this is the thing. It's like, you know, anytime we figure out, wow, this is what I really want. I really spend time imagining it and dwelling on it and like in my mind, you know, living it like it's real. And then you get this feeling like, whoa, if I could do that, like how amazing would life be? Like how joyous and how worthwhile and how, you know, when I am not as energetic as I am now and when I'm 90 years old, you know, thinking back, like how happy I would be. And when you realize what's really important to you, then it's easier to make it work. And so, you know, to for this, I actually just had a lot of vacation time because it turned out that even though I was gone for my dad and all, you know, all of these things during COVID, we do have a certain amount of PTO, but then if you don't use it, half of it gets carried over. So up to half. So like, I actually just had more PTO, all this PTO that built up from when I didn't go on any vacations. So that helped. I also just became really creative, you know, when I... When I visited family in California, which that, you know, that wasn't even one of our six trips outside of the continental US. But, you know, during that time, it was bonding with family or like the time that I spent with my dad at the end of his life. I did telehealth clinics. I'm a sleep doctor. So, you know, the patients can do telehealth clinics. I did work meetings. You know, we did work meetings on Zoom. And so I was still working to some capacity, but making sure that I had clear boundaries to live, you know, what I really need to live at the, where I was. And so that, you know, that's another creative way of being able to be, you know, be traveling or be in a different location and not use all the PTO. And then the other thing is, don't be limited. Like when you know what's important to you, you know, don't be limited by other people's limiting beliefs. Because that's the easiest way to get discouraged and and to feel like it's not possible. So, uh, I mean, I don't think other, you know, I I don't look for other examples of people doing what I did. Instead, I I just do, you know, I do it. I I see what works. I see, you know, I I have goals at work. You know, I want to keep a certain RVU target. I want to make sure my patients are taken care of. I don't want to be a burden to my colleagues. You know, it's all the sort of normal things that you want as a team player. And I would say I probably go a step further. I mean, I'm also a leader in my department. So I go a step further and and I'm really proactive and, you know, looking at things. How am I going to improve this workplace? How do I improve the culture here? How do I improve the number of patients that we get? And so when I work in that capacity, when I'm here, it's, you know, it makes it easier to make the case like, oh, you know, I'm going to be gone for three weeks, which I'd never done before this year, by the way, I had never taken, I never taken more than two weeks. It it was like, at most, maybe it was a week and a half, because you know, you do the weekends. And so this was new. But yet, I took more time, I was away more, but my department thrived. And so, 
I think the reason for that is also when I'm here, I am more present, I am more motivated, I am, you know, I'm happy. (laughs) And the patients can see that and the staff can see that and my colleagues can see that my manager can see that. So I think that that and that's not really an example you can easily find. Like I I may, you know, so, so you just do the things that you want to do and you do a really, you do it with passion and you do I mean, I wouldn't even be at this workplace if I didn't believe in what I did here. So that helped too, because, you know, I don't think this place is a place to escape from. Like, I'm here to also make this better. And so I think it's it's just, you know, when you only choose things that that you feel are aligned with your goals and your integrity and, you know, your mission in life, I think it's really easy to then, you know, do things that other people think are like not doable, but then you can still do it. For sure. And you just shared so much wisdom there. (laughs) So much wisdom. You know, one of the things that you said that I think is really powerful is that you didn't even look for examples because there are not a lot of people who are out there doing what you've been able to do. But it sounds like your ability to really tap into yourself, your own reserve, your own wisdom, your own values and knowing what's important to you really helped you to, you know, guide your way to what you wanted. And not only that, but it sounds like the same passion, the same creativity, the same innovation that you bring to your work as a leader are all the same skills and qualities that you use to craft the life that you want outside of work, your dream life, you know? So that's really beautiful. And it's, it's a great example for others <laughs> in terms of what they could do and not being stuck in our self-limiting thoughts or even maybe the self, you know, other limiting thoughts that other people might have around us that sometimes we kind of hold on to. But to really do that inner work that allows us to to focus, part of that could be visualization, right? Getting into the moment and really feeling, you know, what it is to have what we truly desire. So powerful, so helpful. Mm -hmm. And I will say that we do this, I mean, what you're describing, and I know you do this too, Dr. Christine, but it we do it all out of fear. I mean, it's scary doing it. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not comfortable. (laughs) It's because it's human nature to look for other examples and to get permission and to, you know, like look around and feel like people are nodding. But the thing is, if you do that, you'll get the same result that everyone else is getting, which is, you know, uh, burnout, resentment, you know, keeping our heads down. And so if that is not an acceptable result, then we do have to accept being uncomfortable and really listening to tune into what it is that, you know, what it is that motivates us. And and the cool thing is when you start doing that, you it, it's a muscle. So you get better at it. You know, you look around less and then you get to the point where people then look at you and, you know, they're watching your example. And so it's kind of a flip because at first it's like really scary. You feel like, really vulnerable and you feel like, you know, people are going to make fun of you or judge you. And if you do it anyway, then there's something about it that just shines through. And so after a while, it's people don't think it's so crazy anymore. So it's, it's a, it, it is worth all the fear and it's worth all the discomfort. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Because there's also a lot of discomfort in staying where you don't want to be. So if you're going to be uncomfortable, you might as well be doing what it is that you truly want to do. It's a different kind, right? I think it like if you kind of try to locate the feeling in your body, like the discomfort of doing these things that you really believe in, but that is like countercultural, like it's kind of like a pit in the stomach or, you know, like you want to throw up. Whereas the discomfort or or the, whereas the, you know, bad feeling of just um, accepting the status quo and, you know, feeling taken advantage of and, you know, feeling not respected and not listened to it's, that is kind of like this, it's a different, it's like a heaviness, you know, it's like a burden. So it's, it's interesting. They're, they're both, you know, uncomfortable feelings, but 
I will take the uh, puke in the stomach before you do something you believe in any day <laughs> over the, the heaviness. <laughs> Puking over heaviness. That's what we're going to go with. I think it's really helpful. And like you said, it also has this amazing ability to really inspire and motivate others. And so you have that added benefit as well. I'm wondering what strategies you've kind of developed over time that allow you to maintain balance between like work and your family life while also living your dream life and traveling? I will say that that is a work, constant work in progress. And I am no expert on that. But I, you know, I've podcasted about this. And, you know, I think one thing is, uh, you can burn out doing anything, right? So and we can become our like worst enemies burning out doing anything, you can burn out, you know, working on physician wellness. (laughs) (laughs) So and this is I've had to I, I am constantly learning. And so I'll tell I'll share some of the things I'm working on now, which like, you know, I started working on a month ago. And, you know, one is getting enough sleep, which is really ironic, because I, I was definitely guilty of not doing this, even though I'm a sleep doctor. So getting enough sleep, because when we get enough sleep, our minds, you know, work optimally, our we, we are in the right mood, you know, we, we're just more efficient at doing the things that we want to do. The other thing that I started doing, which I used to do, but I stopped because I got too busy, is meditation. Um, and, you know, what drew me to meditation was actually, I did a sort of a grand rounds presentation about wellness. And, you know, meditation is one of the subtopics. And there was this, and I'm, I'm not going to, I don't remember the exact citation, but there was this study, you know, where they basically studied lay people who had never done meditation and just, you know, gave them like some guided meditation, maybe like eight minutes for like 14 days, you know, some limited period where people don't really know what they're doing. And they still had benefit, like all really all they had to do was do it, even though because most of the time when you do meditation, you feel like, oh, but I just, you know, I just got distracted. So I'm not doing it. But in fact, you're doing it even though you got distracted. So so having a meditation practice and then having a, a spiritual practice, and that can be different things. You know, the one that I am um, learning, right, that I learned recently and, and, you know, trying out is visualization. So kind of visualize our, our goals to sort of think of you know, examples and sort of like, just kind of visualize yourself in what you really want to do. And then from that, you know, we're kind of distill from that, you know, what is the action that you are going to do today? So, you know, write down, you know, a few things that's going to be really important. So yeah, so that's been really helpful. And then in general, like as far as traveling to, to travel on you know, to plan the travel that's really in line with what you really need and what you want. So some people may go into this like automatic default mode of let me squeeze everything in. Um, You know, I'm going to Egypt, I'm going to, you know, every single thing is going to be in there and I only have 10 days to go. Well, that is not going to be the most relaxing experience, which is fine if that's what you want. But just be honest, like if you're really tired from work and then now you're like, I'm going to go to Egypt and I'm going to see like a hundred things in, you know, seven days, <laughs> that may be why you feel tired and, you know, not energized and burnt out <laughs> after your trip. So, yeah, I think, you know, I'm learning. So I'm open to ideas. <laughs> no, I, I think that's really, really some key things. Sleep. I think we probably all could benefit from <laughs> optimizing our sleep and also using our spiritual practices, you know, whether that's meditation, whether that's other mindfulness practices, visualization as well, and really thinking, going back to our true desires and what we want and honoring ourselves and what we actually need. I remember when, you know, I first started as a nomad and, you know, I go to a country and they'd be like, oh, well, have you gone to like the top 10 restaurants or did you go to like that botanical garden? I'm like, no, I just went to like the cafe around the corner because it it was about my experience and what I wanted and not trying to do all the things all the time. So I think that's really crucial and really great advice, actually. 
important strategy. Mm. And then of course the one thing that I didn't say, which I should say is movement. You know, any like physical activity, you know, whether that's actually what I love about travel is like I, you know, because I have a watch that keeps track of my steps. I'm like, whoa, I got, you know, 12,000 steps and I didn't even try. So I don't even have to go for my run because it's, it's, I already did it. But yeah, you know, movement is unfortunately is not necessarily like a built in activity for a lot of physicians because we're mostly sitting around. Yeah. Whereas when you travel, it's a lot of times kind of built into travel is usually a lot more movement there, opportunities for movement. (laughs) So what would you say are maybe key challenges that you faced traveling with your children? I would say there are far more insights and, you know, benefits in traveling with my children, then there are maybe challenges. So the challenges, I mean, especially as you know, with, with like the younger kids, because when we first started, I think my daughter just turned six. So it's like, I remember we were going to the Virgin Islands, and we had a fairly short layover, because, you know, even if you try to plan a longer layover, there's, you know, the planes run late. And then now, you know, you get to the gate, and it's like 10 minutes, and you have to board. And I remember we were standing at the gate. And thank goodness, my husband was there. So, you know, three kids, my husband, and then my our youngest, you know, who I think was six at the time, she's like, I really have to do number two. <laughs> and they're announcing the gate. They're like, okay, boarding, boarding. And <laughs> so, so as a parent, you're like, well, it's probably not good to tell your kid to hold it, but you know, we also don't want to miss the flight. <laughs> so it's like, you know, things like that, right? Where you're responsible for another little human and, you know, they have to poop, they have to pee you know, they maybe barfed and, you know, so it's like the caregiving aspect of it that that I was certainly most nervous about that, you know, there's some funny things that come out of that. The, honestly, I mean, every kid is different. You know, I had two kids that love travel that, you know, will sort of are very adaptable. And then I have one kid who's a little bit more set in his ways. And he was, I mean, when he first heard that we were going to go to the Virgin Islands, he was like kicking and screaming and he refused. He didn't want to go. And then it, it, it was like, same thing when we got there, he was kicking and screaming, we are in 80 degree weather, and he won't take off socks or like his long pants, because he's like, no, I'm still in Vermont, like I'm not in this 80 degree weather. So it's just, it's like, you, it's like three extra people, you know, three, however many kids you're traveling with, it's like those extra things that you have to deal with. I think that really is the biggest challenge. And of course, it's like, how do they keep, how do they, how, if it's a long flight, you know, especially when we were flying to Australia, like, how did we keep them in, on the flight? <laughs> Actually, the first flight I took with was from Boston to Incheon, South Korea. And I think that was like, a, I don't know, 13 or 14. It was a long flight, a very long flight. And it was just me as a single mom at, on that plane with these three kids. And I told them, I pep talked them. I'm like, listen you want to go travel? Because dad didn't want to go on this trip. So, so if you want to go travel with mom, you know, you're gonna have to, like, bear with the plane. Like, I sort of just explained to them, I just said, look, I'm only human, I'm not going to be able to wave a magic wand and solve all your problems. So you're gonna have to solve some of your own problems, you're gonna have to just be patient, you're gonna sit there for, you know, 14 hours. So, so they got it though, because they're like, yeah, I really want to travel. I want to go. We, our ultimate destination was Taiwan, but you know, there were, and it was exciting for them. Even my child who was kicking and screaming with the first trip, like he flipped. And now, like anytime I suggest something, it may not be the thing that he's most excited about, but he's like, yeah, but I want to go because I don't want to miss out. Wow. (laughs) How the tables have turned. So yeah, I would yeah, I think that the the challenge is honestly it's really not even a challenge, but it's it's like seeing your kids grow with a new experience with with new challenge like, seeing your kid go through challenges. It's challenging for adults to travel. It's actually probably a little bit less challenging for kids to travel. They they're more adaptable. I remember I used to be much better with jet lag when I was younger <laughs> than I am now. That is really beautiful. Yeah, and and just seeing how their mindset shifts and how they're expanding and how they're learning during the journey as well. And you're learning more about them as they're changing. So totally. I have, 
you know, one kid who loves, I mean, somehow he developed this love for birds and I, you know, I didn't know anything about birding and he decided that he loves birds. And now everywhere he's telling me where he wants to go in the world. He's like, Papa New Guinea should be on the list. I'm like, I, this was never on my radar. (laughs) And so he's always pitching ideas to me. And I have another child who, you know, just is so cuddly, like loves all animals. And, you know, she loves the traveling because she loves seeing the cute animals. And then I have this, my middle kid who is like nature. I mean, okay, it's fine, but I like the skyscrapers and the cities. <laughs> so, so it's it's really interesting to see. You know, they came out of the same parents, but but they're very different. And so you get to learn about them, and you get to learn how to negotiate. Like, hey, listen, we're gonna go on this trip, but you know, okay, today this is not a city, but we're gonna also do the city thing because your brother likes it. And so it's it's kind of fun to you know, get everyone involved and get their interests and, and also um, give them an opportunity to, to like grow the interests that they have. Wonderful. So it sounds like really more than, you know, the challenges, it's really that there's so many rewarding experiences that come out of the travel with your kids. Absolutely. And of course, traveling with kids, it's so funny because I started traveling. So if you ask like me a year ago or two years ago, I mean, this is maybe not the best thing for me to admit in public, but I, I would have been like, hey, if there was a way for me to travel without these kids, I would, <laughs> right? Like if my husband was okay, just watching these kids for like a week, two weeks, three weeks at a time as a single parent at home, that probably would be my like chosen, like my choice of way to travel because it's, you know, it just seems less of a hassle if you, <laughs> if you think about it. And yet that, you know, that wasn't true. Like my husband wouldn't really want to be a single dad at home while I am traveling with these three kids. So I kind of took them because I had to, you know, like, I'm like, hey, I want to go to Taiwan. My husband didn't want to go on that trip. And so, okay, like, let's take these kids. I, I did meet my mom there. So I wasn't like completely a solo parent for the whole time. But, but what I learned, though, traveling with them is... <laughs> I mean, kids are like naturally curious and they they naturally have this sense of wonder. And so when you're standing next to them and you go to a new place, it's so much fun to see, you know, how they're reacting and and sort of how they're processing everything. And of course, as a mom, how they're growing, because, you know, I have a picky eater and I'm like, how am I going to go through a new country with a picky eater? And, you know, but we survived and, you know, I think she branched out a little bit. And so it's yeah, it's it has far more rewards <laughs> than there were than I would say the you know, the downsides, which I honestly don't even I don't even think of the downsides anymore. I don't I, I really only think of it as an upside traveling with the kids. Beautiful. And so what maybe are some misconceptions that parents may have about traveling with their children? Hmm. I think, honestly, the misconception is that they can't do it, right? Like, oh, my kid. I mean, I can't, I, I can only speak for my kids. I, you know, I can't, as a, a doctor, you know, seeing pediatric patients, I, you know, I'm not going to put myself in another parent's shoes and, and tell them I know how they can do it better. But I mean, but just, I guess, speaking from my own experience, you know, I wasn't necessarily looking forward to traveling with my kids. And then having that mindset shift of like, actually, you know, this is like, they can do it. Like, you mean, just even like, I I didn't necessarily think to give them a pep talk, but I did it out of necessity. I'm like, hey, listen, this is the deal. This is the problem that we have. And and you're going to be part of the solution. And so giving them some ownership of, you know, of, of the travel and the responsibilities that go with that, you know, having them carry their own luggage and carry their own backpack. And so I, I, I think, you know what? In my experience, kids rise up to our to the challenge. They rise up to the expectations. They rise up to the occasion, and it's so. I mean, I think that is one of the biggest gifts I'm giving to my kids is you know giving them these opportunities that they maybe wouldn't have if we just you know we're sitting at home in Vermont. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, I think that's really helpful for so many parents because I'm sure that thought comes up often that it's not possible, or even that there'll be this list of challenges in their mind. And so you being able to kind of offer that 
maybe it will be a different experience for them as it's been a different experience for you. That's, you know, makes things much more (laughs) exciting and attainable (laughs) rather than maybe carrying a lot of fear going into that. Yeah, I think the thing that freed me as a parent is I don't have to know the solution for every problem, especially when it comes to my kids. And I think that that helped me through this because, I mean, for example, you know, the reason why I had dreaded travel with these kids, especially, you know, being in like a car ride or being, in, you know, in a place where you can't get up for hours and hours at a time, like a plane or, or a car is, you know, my kids, one of my kids, she would sit and she'd be like, this is so boring. What do I do? I mean, like every minute she would be like, this is so boring. Like I'm bored. What do I do? And I just remember being so annoyed by that statement because I'm like, I'm bored too, but I'm still so sitting here. And yet, you know, I, you know, went on these cross continental flights with the same kid. And because I, you know, I was like, you know, your boredom is not my problem. <laughs> like you figure it out, kid. <laughs> and she did. I mean, I mean, was there a tablet involved? Yeah, some of the time, but you know, it, it, it's just they, I think that, you know, mindset of they can also figure out the problem themselves, you know, we can give them the confines, like, no, they can't jump out of the plane, they can't, you know, do things that are going to hurt them permanently. <laughs> but, you know, they can learn some of this stuff on their own. I really love that, because it's an opportunity for them to engage, you know, in their own agency to become problem solvers, to find creative solutions. <laughs> and also you're modeling, right? Like I'm figuring it out. You can figure it out. And I'm sure that also, especially when it comes to travel, helps them to build confidence. So wonderful, wonderful. So what would you say has been your favorite trip thus far? Six continents, it's a lot. <laughs> So, yeah. Okay. So, so, so clarification, I have not gone to six continents yet. We were, we took six trips outside of the continental US in the last year, but it is my goal. It is our goal. It's my goal, but you know, like it's going to be the whole family's goal to go to all seven continents. I was hoping to do it in two years, but it might be more like two to three years. Our favorite, oh gosh, it's hard to pick a favorite trip because every trip, you know, you that there's something really amazing and there's something that you get from it. And it's like every trip builds on then every trip builds on the next one. But I have to say, you know, our most recent trip was to Australia and I had never gone away from work for three weeks. I mean, I took maternity leave, you know, but that doesn't really count like as just for fun, <laughs> like gone away, not worked for fun for three weeks while still actively, you know, having a job. And it, Australia was just a, such an amazing continent. It's funny because at certain points... I would worry. I'm like, did I pick the right choice? You know, wanting to go to Australia. I mean, they speak English and it's like a, you know, it's like a first world country. Like, is it all that different from the US? And, and sometimes like, you know, I land and I'm looking at the road. I'm like, yeah, this just looks like earth. Like this is not all that, (laughs) like doesn't look that far away. But it's not. It's it's totally different. Like the culture is different. They felt I had a very thick accent. They're like, you have a very thick U.S. accent. <laughs> so even though we speak the same language, it's a, you know it's a very like even the expressions are different. And it is just if you like nature, which I love nature, like it's just an amazing natural environment. You know, from the Great Barrier Reef and the ocean and the whales to the interior, you know, where there's the bush, the Australian bush and the animals. I mean, talk about expanding our imagination. It's like all the animals that I saw in like, you know, in storybooks as a kid, or, you know, like my stuffed animal on my bed, they're like right in front of you and they're alive. (laughs) And so it is just such an amazing place. There's a little bit of, I mean, it's very family friendly country and there's a, a little bit of everything for everyone. I mean, I, this the trip that I went on, it was three generations, you know, my mom, my aunt and uncle, me, my kids, and everybody loved it. There was like, 
it was, you know, we were doing similar activities. Like we didn't really do like, here's the kid activity. This is the adult activity. We just all did the same activities and everybody just loved it. It it was really the trip of a lifetime. And I'm really glad that, you know, we didn't wait like 20 years to do that trip because, I mean, things change, right? The Great Barrier Reef, we don't know what that's going to be like in 10 years. And in 10 years, I don't know if my mom's going to be in the health that she is now and my aunt and uncle and so it was just, it was perfect. I wouldn't change anything about it. Yeah, that just sounds really beautiful. Just the ability to connect, you know, with your family, three different generations, and really enjoy nature, enjoy each other, explore other cultures, the differences, the simula- the similarities, all of it. What advice would you give to parents that are, also physicians and, you know, thinking about going out and considering traveling with their families. I would say just go book those, book the trip, right? Block the date and book the trip. It's really simple. And, you know, be honest with yourself. Like, what kind of trip do you want? Do you want... And I would say also challenge yourself a little bit, you know, go a little bit outside of your comfort zone. You know, the, the example that I gave earlier was I thought Virgin U.S. Virgin Islands was a big deal. I mean, now I don't think that anymore. But like for me at the time, I was like, whoa, I can't even imagine going there. And so go a little bit outside of your comfort zone toward the dream travel that you want. Right. So if you're like, wow, I would love to go to the map, but like I can't imagine doing that right now with my kids, you know, then go. Go, I don't know, go to Thailand. I know that's, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's much farther, <laughs> that's much closer, but, you know, go somewhere that like is a little bit of a stretch, but, you know, toward the direction that you want. And yeah, I mean, example of, of that, like when we're in the Virgin Islands, I had never swam in the ocean, really. I mean, I, I would like bounce up and down the waves on the Atlantic, you know, like on the beach of Maryland, but that was about it. And I'd never swam in the ocean and my kids didn't even know how to swim. They had life jackets on, but I was like, we are going to go snorkeling, you know, and I, I could swim. So, so we did something that was absolutely life-changing, which is like, we saw this amazing, like the Caribbean and the amazing life that's in the ocean. Like I, I didn't even know, I mean, I know what a coral was from like reading books, but I had never seen a coral reef before. And I was like, just captivated. I'm like, I, if I just die now, at least I got to see this. (laughs) And so that was an example of, you know, going a little bit outside our comfort zone. Like I've told that to other people and they're like, what? Like I've been snorkeling ever since I was 14 and you've never done that. I'm like, no, I haven't. And, you know, there maybe there's something like that, you know, for you where you're like, wow, I really want to do this, but I don't know how to do that. I don't know anyone that knows how to do it, but you can do it. And it's amazing, you know, what if, if it's something that you want, you know, there there is a way to do it and bring your kids along because you're going to find that they are really good at doing new things. Dr. Gray, thank you so much for your wisdom, sharing your valuable insights and expertise with us today. Before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts or advice for our physician listeners who also aspire to live their dream lives and explore the world? My final thoughts are that, you know, if you're listening to our conversation and, you know, I'm talking about myself today, but, you know, Dr. Christine does amazing things too. So if you're listening to this conversation between two doctors and you're like, whatever they're doing is so out of reach, like it's so outside the box, like who are these people? They're crazy. You know, it's not me. Like, okay, maybe I want to do what they do, but like, I can't do it. You know, if you're thinking that, I challenge you to question that because it's not true. Because if you ask us, we're like, we're just normal people. (laughs) And, you know, we're normal people who did some scary things. And now we think it's normal (laughs) to do it. And we only get to live once. And we only get to, you know, do this life on earth once. And before you know it, you know, you're going to be 60, 70, 80, 90. And, you know, I am about to turn 42 years old. Like I'm only going to be 42 once. And I want to make that the best year yet. And there's nothing stopping each one of you from making this coming year your best year. And so I just, you know, if if you think that, 
you can do the, these things that we're talking about. It's not true. <laughs> so that that's all I have. I mean, just really just start. There's nothing stopping you but yourself. And if you just really focus on what would I miss if I was taken away from this earth tomorrow or in the next 24 hours, you know, you think of the things that you would regret. Do those things, you know, work on those things and make this next year your year of achieving those things. And you're never going to regret doing that. So beautifully stated. Thank you so much. So that concludes today's episode of The Physician's Guide to Doctoring. Thank you for joining us. Our guest journey as, you know, a full-time employed traveling leader, you know, and physician with children. That's just so inspiring. So stay tuned for more insightful discussions on physicians who lead lives by design and embrace wonderless. Thank you again, Dr. Whaley, for being our guest and providing all this invaluable guidance to our listeners. Remember that our true destination is freedom. And when you listen to your inner voice, there you will arrive. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Physician's Guide to Doctoring podcast. We hope you found our conversation with Dr. Whaley Gray enlightening and full of practical tips for making your family adventures more enjoyable. If you enjoyed this episode and want to connect, you can learn more about me at physiciansguidetodoctoring.com forward slash D-R-G-O-I-N-S. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a review. Your feedback is invaluable in helping us continue to provide valuable content for physicians and their families. Stay tuned for more insightful discussions, expert interviews, and practical advice to enhance your personal and professional life. As always, you can find additional resources and show notes on our website. Remember that as a physician, finding balance is essential, and we're here to support you every step of the way. Thank you for being a part of our community, and we look forward to sharing more knowledge and experiences in the future. Until next time, take care, stay well, and continue to make a positive impact on the world. And now a final word from our sponsor. At Pearson Rabbits, they understand that life can change in an instant. It's hard to imagine that a sudden illness, injury, or catastrophic event could put you and your family in a devastating financial situation. Physician-founded and physician-focused, Pearson Ravitz builds human connections before they create quotes. Visit pearsonravitz.com today and embark on a journey of safeguarding your future. Thanks for listening. I have a favor to ask. You listened to the episode until the end, which means you either fell asleep or you really liked the episode. So please share it or like it or comment on a social media post or write us a five-star review, something. It would really help me out. And maybe what you learned from this episode can help someone else too. The views expressed in this episode are those of the interviewer and interviewee and don't represent the views of their employer or even their significant other. Even though the magic of podcasting make it sound like I'm talking directly to you. This is not a doctor-patient relationship, and this is not medical advice or financial advice or really any advice. Thank us again for listening to The Physician's Guide to Doctoring.